Welcome to Out to Lunch, the podcast where great chat and great food meet and we risk getting gravy down our shirts. Joining me this week is a comedian, writer and actor known for a terrible brown suit, a thick black beard and an eye-widening line in hilarious, if awkward, surreal ordinariness. In 2006, he won the Hackney Empire New Act of the Year. He went on to perform an equally awkward and brilliant comedy duo alongside Diane Morgan and has performed everywhere from the Edinburgh Festival to live at the Apollo. Alongside that, he's acted in comedies like him and her, Miranda and Afterlife, and he's a diehard regular on comedy TV panel shows such as 8 Out of 10 Cats. It's the brilliant Joe Wilkinson. Yeah, it's quite nice to be yourself and be uh, be honest, because everything else I do is a complete and utter lie. Is your life an entire lie, Joe? I feel like it is. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to treat this as lunch, just as therapy. Um, <laughs> So we're standing in Brewer Street in London, Soho, for a very good reason. We always ask our guests if they have dietaries, by which we mean, do they eat meat? Are they gluten intolerant? Do they eat dairy? That sort of thing. So we asked Joe Wilkinson for his dietaries, and he just came back and said, I'd like to eat Mexican. Oh, right. Okay. That's very, very specific, Joe. Well, I have brought him to somewhere that serves very good Mexican food. It's called El Pastor. It's sort of a taqueria, but with a whole bunch of other things thrown in besides. The original Zimbara Market, I reviewed it and loved it. And now I've come to this much bigger one that opened earlier this year. Joe Wilkinson wanted Mexican. He's bloody got Mexican. And we've got the whole of the basement to ourselves. Hello. Hello. Hi. Look at this. Have a seat. Hi. Hello. This is uh, Manu, who's going to serve Hello, us. Hello, Manu. How are you? Thank you. Very well, thank you. Do you like seal sparkling water? I'd love sparkling, if I may. So would I. Um, and we have some guacamole with some tortopos, or you can call them tortilla chips. Quick first question. You have quite regularly referenced chicken Kievs oh, yeah, in your yeah. comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you describe for me the appeal of the chicken Kiev? Or as, as, wow. is it just as a, as a culinary item no, or as well, an item of comedy? Well, the, I do love chicken Kiev, but it has a special place in my heart because when I started going out with my missus, yeah. the first meal she ever cooked me was chicken Kiev chips and peas. Which is the meal you've referenced on a yeah, number of yeah, occasions. Yeah. And it stuck. But when she told me she was making it for me, I thought she was joking. I don't know why I thought she was joking. I just thought she was being funny. And I turned up and then... Um, we had chicken, chips and peas, and we have it regularly. Does she make it from scratch, or is it a no, Sainsbury's, no, no. Sainsbury's <laughs> taste the difference, We job? do. We, we, we used to be Tesco's, then it was Sainsbury's. Now, it's what he chose. Well, that's clearly a sign, actually. <laughs> yeah, things were Used to be up. Tesco's, then it was Sainsbury's, then <laughs> yeah, it was Waitrose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can, the right I, can we plot Joe Wilkinson's <laughs> successful career yeah, <laughs> through the source of the chicken Kiev? When I'm back down to Sainsbury's, I'll let you know, and then eventually back down to... It's going to go that way at some point, isn't it? Back down to Tesco's own. And we have a menu. Are okay. there any specials? So, yes, we do have three specials today. We have a crab to oven, which is made with the white part of the crab. We have an uh, octopus and pork taco. Oh, and we have a fried chicken tackle as well. Do you have any allergies in it? Tonight? Any what, sorry? Any allergies. Uh, penicillin. <laughs> That's, it, it, it's unlikely to be an issue, I'm right. hoping. Okay. Unless, and, you know, the whole day goes really badly and, for And you. horses. <laughs> mm. um, should we get the crab special? I was going to say, do, would you like to order for me? Do you trust me? Yeah. Okay. I've always wanted to say that to someone who knows. Do you, um, all right. If we get the, the crab um, and the sea bass ceviche, and then, do you like pork and not Oh yeah, I'll literally eat anything, is it? All right, the raisins. carnitas. 
But could we also get the fried chicken taco? Oh, I love this. Absolutely love this. It's Brilliant. Lovely. I love it. There you no, go. Thank you. That was really exciting. You've said once that you'll never be interviewed on camera as anything other than the persona you're known for. Yeah, I changed my mind on that. Have you? Yeah, well... Because I was wondering who yeah, the hell I'm talking no, to. No, no, I, I did that for years because I thought I had this thought that be known for one thing when I'm, you know, not acting, whatever, sort of this persona thing that I'd invented. And then I realised that people didn't give a hoot when you sort of... Uh, <laughs> when you're yourself as well and so i've done a few things recently where i've just been interviewed as myself oh it's quite yeah it's quite nice to just be yourself and be uh be honest because everything else i do is a complete and utter lie is your life an entire lie joe i feel like it is <laughs> i mean you don't have to treat this as lunch just as therapy um <laughs> i went back as i want to do i watched some stand-up you did at outside the box now the material what I call the droll, the, you know, mm. very dry, mm. the absurd. What was striking to me about it is that while the character, the personality mm. was there, you were dressed in what mm. I would call normal clothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. did the, I'm going to use pejoratives here, <laughs> the terrible dog shit brown <laughs> suits happen? Well, and how many of them do you have? I have one. Jesus God. And I've had it for, right. I'll tell you how it came about. I, I used to do a double act with Diane Morgan called Two Episodes of MASH. And we did a couple of Edinburgh shows. And um, let's say they, they, were, they were reviewed averagely. We had this attitude, we didn't give a shit, you know, which is you was that, was that a principle, an underlying principle well, to it, what you it, did? It, it Not was, giving a shit? It was. It's a way of surviving, really. But it's also, we sort of projected it. We sort of said, um, you know, we sort of told the audience we really didn't mind if they left or whatever. My friend Alistair saw the show and he said, he really liked it, he goes, but people believe you don't care. So the following year, we got a director in, Stefan Golanewski, who wrote Him and Her and Mum and... He's, Lots of stuff. Yeah, he's incredible. He did, we just got him at the right time before he, the world caught up with him. And he got expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He basically said, we need to show the audience that you care. So they won't know, but they'll go... Oh right, they've put they've put effort in. They just what they're saying contradicts what I see. So he basically put Diane in a sort of ball gown, and me said he said, "Have you got anything smart?" So I bought one suit in because I only had one suit, and he started laughing. I put it on, and he started laughing. He says, "Amazing, where did you get that?" And I was like, "Burton's. What are you on about?" And was it this yeah, the brown suit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you... he said he thought it was like a. Um, like a, a comedy suit. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, he goes, that hangs so badly on you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, does it? And he went, yeah, it's perfect. And then that year, the reviews were amazing. Everyone came. And just that sort of showing the audience that we cared sort of made all the difference. Like, and then I'm, I carried on wearing the suit. I don't, I don't want to kind of obsess about the suit, but I am slightly obsessed oh, by the suit. So it's played an important part in your career. Mm. now for 15 years. Yeah, still together, still hanging That's the point, because this is the information that I think mm. listeners to our challenge want. How is the crotch holding up? Particularly that point where the legs rub? It's, the... it's threadbare. It's is honestly it threadbare? threadbare. The shirt, I wish I'd bought the shirt. That is un in an unbelievable state. There's no armpits. There's no armpits no, at no all? No armpits, I still wear it. You know strippers have, you know they have a shirt which is just that bit at the front? 
A bib. Yeah, like the bib bit. Because they and then they rip it off and you see the rest. It's a sort of it's only slightly bigger than that without the body that deserves it deserves. Oh god, yeah, I'm really thinking about that. It's sort of off putting, isn't it? Yeah, mm, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry that you I, brought it up in my. I thing. did, I did. <laughs> but the character mm. who wears that shirt and that yes. suit and that tie. Yes. Who is he? My friend Charlie, I talked to about comedy a lot. He basically said it's a man who, if he was real, wouldn't wouldn't survive in the world. He'd just die somewhere, basically, because he's cursed. But he talked about the comedy of it being like observational material, like Michael McIntyre, that absolutely no one can relate to. He's an outsider who doesn't recognise his yeah, outsider yeah, status. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. There's oh, no, oh, hello. there's some food coming. Hello. Oh, good Lord, look at that. Brilliant. Smashing, thank, thank you. Thank you. Right, well, I'll go for that one. How do you eat it? How do you... Right, uh, wait, carefully and then wait to see it go down your front. Oh, is that so there's no... Yeah. I thought you were going to tell me how I would stop it I have it nothing to down. tell you, Joe. Do you ever worry that the, the character is less framed than prison? I think if you, you see the best people, you can give them a Mr. Man name. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like... Like, Rob Beckett is, you know, Mr. Working Class, do you know what I mean? So they've got this angle, and all the best ones have, like, John's Mr. Neurotic, you know, you know John Richardson. Yeah. All the best ones have an angle, and if you've got your comic angle, you can give any of these, you can give Rob Beckett, Catherine Ryan, you know, because Catherine Ryan's like, she's Miss Showbiz, you know, she's, she's elegant, you know. So each of them, she's high status, so each of them have got their angle on any subject. You've just been touring Britain with Catherine Ryan, haven't you? I've just filmed a show with her. Yeah. It's like a silly um, travel show. Shouldn't know what it's called. I've just done it for seven weeks. Well, I haven't done a lot of shows where it's just been two people for like seven, eight weeks. You suddenly go, God, if I didn't, if we found out we didn't actually get on, this would be, be hell. It would be absolute hell. But I loved her and I couldn't get enough. What, what's the premise time. for the, the show when it... Basically... I'm making her rough it because we're from the different ends of the spectrum, basically. So it's the angle that we all know Catherine as this five-star, you know, Hollywood glam. And I make her go to the arse end of holidays, basically. And did this require you to wear the suit and the shirt and the tie well, for day <laughs> after day well, after I, day? I went more as myself and I was... I was somewhere in the middle, I think, you know. Like, it was too... that The, the persona thing is too... You can't live it. It's pure madness if you, you know, lived and breathed. So it was a kind of... Well, that was kind of what I was asking you, where there were limitations to what it could... Yeah, well, then, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I, wouldn't, want, I wouldn't want to do something like this, like... I, it's in the framework of where it, deserve, where it should be, like, like on Countdown and stuff like that. Because it's sort of acting, you know, it's really acting as a different person. Whereas this, I wouldn't want to have a conversation in because you go, well, none of this is real. The things like this work because they're real and people are having real conversations. The beard. Oh, yeah. In 2011, in Him and Her... Oh, yes. ..which is sort of a comedy-drama thing... Written by Stefan Golanowski, yeah. You got it shaved off. There is a video of you getting shaved. Is that? Yeah, you were in it, and you're talking to the camera. <laughs> I can't remember that. Oh, it's probably the uh, Crystal Meth days. Yeah, joke. that does ever. Um, you go through various phases. Oh, As half it comes off, uh, the first bit is Charles Manson. 
You've got the Charles I Manson. I remember now. And then it comes have, off and you go... Did we do Hitler as well? You do Hitler. Yes. I and then it would. turns out that you've got the hair perfectly to do <laughs> Hitler. You hold in Hitler for quite a long while, I've got to be honest. That's my thing. And then you get rid of it um, altogether. Was it psychologically difficult? I'd had a beard for quite a while. Yeah, it was. It was. St- I remember Stefan writing it and asking me, like, if I'd do it. And, like... I'd basically do anything for Stefan because I think he's a genius. That was the first job I ever did, like acting job or anything, which was, looking back, was sort of really being thrown in the deep end. And um, I was talking to David about it, who, my friend, and I was saying, um, oh, looking back, like Richard Laxon, the director, was very clever at kind of basically telling me to do something differently because it wasn't right. And I never... I never noticed. Like, that was his genius, because, like, him and her was essentially five characters, and that's... When you're one of the five, that's a hell of a big... You've got a lot to carry. Yeah, and especially if it's your first job. But, you know, any... Your 20th job, it's a lot. But obviously, naivety's a great thing, so I was like, oh, that's nice, I'm in a telly show. I also remember thinking I was going to get paid about £2 million, because <laughs> I had no idea that telly doesn't pay £2 million. And uh, and then, um, yeah, it was, he was really clever because it was all about truth. It's all about kind of just trusting that when something's truthful, it's funny. Like, it's not about making the people in the set laugh. Right. And it's just, I remember, like, we were just talking because we've done a lot more stuff now and, and been on the other side of the camera and sort of seen how directors work with other and I was like oh god yeah he was having a nightmare with me <laughs> but I didn't because I didn't have a clue and he, he was re- very very kind the way he sort of like got got me to do it better than I was doing it and that's quite a skill does it surprise you how deep into that you've got because there's a lot of dramas you've been in a lot of mm. stuff it wasn't right? planned no it wasn't planned it I you didn't I, want to be an actor no no I'd never I did stand up and then I wanted to do some sketch stuff, which I ended up doing with Diane Morgan, who's a brilliant actor. How did you meet Diane Morgan? Sorry. On the circuit. We actually did a little comedy course, like 2003 in Camden, and we met there and then we just remained friends. We had a sort of similar outlook on comedy. And, uh, and then we just started doing stuff together and she had already been an actor and acted in a few things. Not a lot of stuff, not like she's now, like everyone wants her now. She was sort of, like, took people ages to realise how good she was. So by the time we were, like, no one was interested in either of us. And so we, you know, we did Edinburgh and stuff. And she, so that, I did a bit, like, she sort of, sort of showed me the ropes, because, you know, sketch stuff is essentially acting. But that's all I'd done, really, with her, basically. And then I, um, and then I, audition for him and her, basically. And that was it. Do you enjoy that process? Auditioning? No. Not auditioning, acting. Mm. I can't imagine anybody actually enjoys Some an audition. Some people are brilliant at it. God knows how. It's awful. Um, uh, yeah, I do like acting. Like, it's, um, it's really liberating when it's someone else's stuff and you can just concentrate on your your bit. It's quite stressful when it's your stuff. But is I've it always seen... reaching for you to play a version of the character that we know you for? Um, I think... I think everyone... Everyone sort of has a... a natural... 
kind of, oh, that person does a really good. And I think, I think you're, that's fine, you know, that's fine. You look like, I think I'm naturally, people naturally think of me as like, thank you, the, the odd, could be the odd guy, you know. Right. Um, but like, him, him and her's character, Dan, you asked me earlier about if it's based on anyone, the, the persona thing I do. That isn't, but Dan was 100% based on someone I met who basically came up to me after a gig and was that person, basically. And it was, it was, um, it just really stuck with me. And, and then when, um, when I was asked to audition to play Dan, I kind of did that person, basically. And, um, he was quite a big guy, but he was just waiting for the world to shit on him and tell him he was useless, basically. And that's what I did. And I hadn't hadn't done that character before anything. It was the first time I did it. It was in that audition. And I later found out that Stefan had written me in mind for that part, even though I hadn't done that character or whatever. So... It was kind of mine to lose, which I'm so glad I didn't know about, because that would have been awful. Like, um, but then he, he, he didn't, yeah, he didn't um, tell me or anyone, and then I got the part, which was lucky, thank God. And then, and then you know... And that started another shape to your career, didn't it? Is yeah, that safe? Yeah, yeah. Um, acting's really something that was... Um, I always feel blown away when I'm doing it, like... Like when I'm there and I'm going, bloody hell, am I, am I an actor? Oh my God, am I shit? That's mental. Like that, I still feel very much about like that. And I don't, I don't, I don't go out my way to say I'm an actor, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm always slightly reticent to say. Like people say, oh, you know, you're an actor. And I'm, I'm, li- I'm less comfortable with that title than I, 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 I feel more, you know, when people say, oh, you're, you're a comedian, aren't you? I'm sort of, I'm okay with that. But I'm less okay with that because I, I feel like, because the way I feel when I'm doing it, I'm still baffled. I'm like, bloody hell, this is madness, isn't it? You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. Thank so you. this is for the curry. This is onion, coriander, and limes. Oh. So the easiest oh. way to do the taco is just put the tortilla, put a bit of the sauce special, then carnitas, then onion, coriander, and a pinch of lemon if you want, and 
Wonderful, thank you. Take a tortilla. I was crunching a. Uh, was crunching's crunching, fine. I was crunching a Paul Scratching, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. Okay. I was crunching. So uh, uh, well, just be comedy gold. Just see what you can do then. <laughs> what was the plan when you were a kid? Did you have something that um, you, you thought you were going to do? Was it always this? No, no. Right. I was obsessed with comedy. Yeah. You were? Yeah, yeah. Me and my brother, absolutely obsessed. Like, we had a, we had a telly upstairs, little black and white telly, and that's where we watched Friday Night Live stuff that's coming back. I remember that really, and Dangerous Brothers was like the thing. We'd watch it, all their stuff was great, but it was all about the Dangerous Brothers, um, Aid Edmondson and Rick Mayo. When I got older, I kind of, I found stand-up clubs and whatever. First open mic? First open mic was in Balham in South London. Banana? It wasn't at the Banana, but at the venue of Banana. I had a Tuesday night open spot night. I got to know the guy, Ed Balls, who sadly passed away now. He, I got to know him and he used to sort of let me in for free and I used to watch it every Tuesday. And then one day he just said to me, what do you want to do? Do you want to do? What, had you told him that you? No, no, I never. T- I, didn't, I didn't tell anyone I was doing stand-up for about two years, basically. I did it for two years and didn't tell anyone. But so I just went, I didn't tell anyone I was going to this club on a Tuesday night. I was just watching and... Saw everyone basically come through there at that time. And if anybody doesn't know, the Banana Club in Ballam, whichever room it was, was yeah. one of the key spots yeah, in London. Yeah, it still is, I think. It's, yeah. still, it's still one of the, you know, everyone does it. So then he said, look, do you want to have a go? And I thought, yeah, yeah. And he booked me in. It was like six months later. Because the thing about when you do open spots is the hardest thing is getting a gig. You like, you can't, like now, if you've done a bit of stuff you can do a gig tonight tomorrow night whatever but the time he goes so it was like I remember that was like maybe September and he said January the 4th do you (laughs) or something like that you know so the upside I mean the downside is that you've got to think about it yeah it was like the upside is you've got to think about it yeah exactly it wasn't happening straight away but it was like hanging over me like a, a cloud and then got to the gig the day of the gig and uh I remember walking to the gig and I just didn't want to do it. So I come out the tube and I saw the, the, the venue, my heart sunk. And I said to my, I just wanted a way out. And I said to myself, if no one, if no one texts me from the walk to the station to there, I won't do it. I don't know why. If you don't receive a text in yeah. those three, four minutes. Yeah, I won't do it. You gig. won't do it. I just won't go in. And That's pretty magical thinking, isn't it? You, <laughs> yeah. you, you would attach value to yeah. nobody paying you any attention yeah, I just wanted, in a four-minute gap. Yeah, I wanted that, you know, it was, and we didn't text that much in those days. And I got three-quarters of the way through it. My friend Nicola Cunningham texted me some nonsense. And I had to do it. Oh, I was gutted. I was gutted. How do people react to you when they come across you on the street? There's definitely a, a slight, not disappointment. I've had people say, oh, you're, oh, you're quite normal. I remember Russell Howard, I used to support Russell Howard on tour, and he, you know, he's got millions and millions of fans, and he said it, he goes, he said, it's best if they don't meet you because you're only going to be a disappointment. You know, they see him on stage for like an hour and a half. They've been really funny, really energetic, you know, doing all these different characters and whatever. And then you meet him afterwards and he's sort of going, oh, you know, thank you for coming. And 
it doesn't care, you know, that's, that's this I, bit. I did one of those things, you know how if you Google someone's name with the word is in front of them, so is Jay Rayner, well, I've got to be honest, the first one with me is, is Jay Rayner married? Right, well, oh, I see you in Google, yeah. like, Yeah, like, it will well, throw well, up well, oh, the most search oh, things. Oh, God, oh, God, do you do it with me? Yeah. Oh, shit, here we go. Do you want to know? Oh, I don't know, actually. So the, the first one that comes up with you is, is Joe Wilkinson still married? Still married? <laughs> Flipping hell, that's brutal. Isn't it? So <laughs> people type that a lot, is that why it comes up a lot? Yeah, that's, that, that would be no. the only one. Well, at the time when I was searching, that wow. was the... Uh, how do I feel about that? Oh, do you know what I felt first of all? I was like, yeah, yeah, I still am. Like, like I'd won <laughs> yep, or something. Yep, I'm like, yep. I haven't won. Yep, she hasn't Pe- got rid of me. People that are asking, that's brutal. Wow. Do you remember the others? I'm really fascinated. All right, well, it's actually... So you'll be happy to know. OK. Go on. Um, looking at it here... No. It's is Joe Wilkinson still married? Is actually the third search. Oh, worse. So the first one is is Joe Wilkinson married? That might be out of you know curiosity. Why are people obsessed if people are married? Well, there are two possibilities, Joe. Either it's because they fancy you. Oh, it's what's the other it's one? The, then? It's the opposite that <laughs> yeah, they can't yeah. imagine yeah, anybody yeah, would want to spend yeah, yeah. that. Makes a lot um, more sense. <laughs> so I go through these? Yeah, go on. Uh, is Joe Wilkinson vegan? Well, I can answer that as he fills his soft tortilla. <laughs> I felt with... wave of guilt then, wave of proper guilt as I as eat pork. Is Joe Wilkinson related to Fabio? <laughs> I have no... And I, I should, having uh, done my research, know what that's about, uh, but I don't. I have... Right, I've been very lucky enough to do a Channel 4 show countdown... Yes. ..for... God, it's getting on 10 years. And many moons ago, I had this idea that I have this really attractive, hunky half-brother. And uh, I brought him on, he's mute. And uh, I just basically, he, I go, this is my half-brother, Fabio. That was the sort of joke. I can't remember what we did exactly. And then I've, got, I've used him every show right. ever since. He's called Rob. He's a lovely, lovely man. He's... He has, he has an ability not to laugh. He is, he's incredible. And, we, you know, we're friends and everything. But he is now known. He can't, you know, he goes about and he has photos with people as Fabio. He's a, he's a thing, he's an entity now. But he's, he was just a random, hunky guy. And he comes on in little pants. He's got an incredible body. It's, you, can't, you can't stand next to him for too long because it really does not um, confidence. That's still married. Get your head around that. The writing process, there's two parts, I think, to what you do. Mm. There is your, the, the character, Joe Wilkinson, but you write and produce a lot of stuff yourself, don't you? Yeah, we write, I write um, sitcom stuff with David Earl, who's a brilliant comedian, and the same guy I do the Chatterbix podcast. And do you literally do You don't do that every morning? Yeah, every morning, yeah. Yeah, it's pure madness. It's maddening. It's, it's, <laughs> what time? Uh, about 8.30 every day, yeah. It's, it's beyond the pile of them. <laughs> I mean, how long are the episodes for anybody who hasn't listened? Uh, I have listened to a couple. Well, we, they can be quite long. We can do, like, about an hour and a half sometimes. But then sometimes they're, like, 25 minutes. But I'd say gen- sometimes we have, we have, like, some people we have. We've got, like, a weatherman who comes on and a few other people. But a lot of the time it's just us talking. And every time I go, what... I've got nothing to say. Every morning I've got nothing to say. Some, the slight obsession with Rob Beckett. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was one episode I listened to, and I was actually fascinated because Rob was sitting in on Radio 2. We're Just... slightly obsessed with being, like, proper... If we could be proper, like, DJs, you know, like Radio 1, Radio 2 DJs, because, I'll be honest with you, there's a, there's a lot of umming in ours and, uh, and huffing and sniffing. and If you took out the ums, they would be about 11 minutes long, our apps. How long have you been doing it literally every morning? I'd say it's about... 18, 19 months. Like, we did, we did a sitcom last year called um, The Copfields, and I was playing one of the leads, and David was hugely involved with the directing side, and he wasn't directing, Simon Hyde was brilliant, but he was advising, so he was sort of producing it, and, and we did it every day through that process, which I look back, which was madness, because we were doing it at about half past five in the morning, and then going on set, doing a full day's, like, filming, and then we were, <laughs> were doing it, and I was looking back and going, why did we do that? Why didn't we just have six weeks off? That was insane. In the middle of our own sitcom, we decided we'd just carry on doing it, and then, yeah, that's when we thought, well, if we go on holiday or something, let's not do it. So, so but, now you allow yourself breaks? Yeah, but Which it's Which you have rare. to signpost for your yeah, uh, yeah. legion of yes, loyal ch- listeners. Yes, our chatter biscuits, as we call them. They're, <laughs> oh God, so embarrassed by the name of our podcast. So embarrassing. We chose the name of the podcast on the first day of doing it. Well, David did. The whole idea came from he wanted to be a breakfast DJ without any of the real responsibility, basically. So that's why we do it every morning. And he decided it'd be funny to call it Chatterbix. And then the reality of having to say, what's your po- podcast? Like, it dawned on you. Yeah, it's horrible, yeah. It's feel like a prat, basically. That's his fault. Um, talking of food, I have oh to ask God, you. So, so obviously you, you won your round of Bake Off. Yeah. Oh, yes, I did. Thank you for bringing it up. Gherkins? Love gherkins. Are they really a big thing in your life? I do love a gherkin, yeah. Yeah, I, well, this is... Like 40 a can, day sometimes? Is that basically I, clearing a whole jar? I haven't cleared a whole jar, because I, I, I have someone in my life to tell me to stop, I think. That's, that's the difference. You're still married? I am, I am still... <laughs> I repeat, I am still... I know it's hard to believe people that use Google, which sadly is everyone. Mm. I am still married. Um, I love doing Bake Off. I met some really lovely people. Lo- I loved Jeremy Patson. He's a pantomime villain. He's a yeah. really lovely man. Did you really <laughs> practice in advance? Yes. Yeah, I did, yeah. I was got, that out of competition or not wanting to look a dick on screen or well, what? Well, there was two things. I thought, I thought everyone would do that. And secondly, I thought it would go against sort of type a bit. If you could do it? If I could do it, yeah. And then I found out everyone else hadn't done anything. <laughs> so people kind of, not to burst anyone's bubble, but it was more about them having not done anything than my skill, if I'm honest. Your, your a, a final winning sig- uh, signature yes. showstopper yes. was a chocolate orange cake modelled on your own ass. Yeah. And you complained about never having won Rear of the Year. <laughs> yeah. But I think, actually, it's another competition you haven't won. Another, <laughs> another poll. Um, I'm slightly embarrassed about it because I have. You've won really? No, no. Oh. I've won Beard of the Year. Oh, oh, have you? And I, I'm ashamed. Sorry, I swore. I'm so no, sorry. it's fine. It's it's a podcast. Right. Well, uh, anybody who's listened to, I lost my temper there. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry. Well, look, it's kind of. So I have told this story before. I think on Out to Lunch, but I'm going to quickly tell it again. So it's a Beard of the Year is run by uh, the self-styled leader of the Beard Liberation Front, Keith Flett. 
a regular right. correspondent to the Guardian, and he had old school paints old school, so beard of the year. He's got a big beard, right? And he'd run it for a number of years, and. I noticed, I think it was like 2010, 2011, coming up to Christmas, between Christmas and New Year, he'd gone to Twitter with it and that the shortlist was me. Okay. Rowan Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and Brian Blessed. Now, no chance, no chance. No chance. No chance. Except, You're out of your depth. Except, mate, in those days, the Church of England hadn't got its Twitter social media. Oh, uh, but they're kicking themselves now, in, aren't they? In place. And nor had Brian Blessed, although Brian Blessed would later become quite a figure <laughs> on Twitter. And I was doing all right on Twitter in, the, in those early uh, days. I, I had a, a mighty so you know, 25 So sideways in. And I, I suddenly said to my, my Twitter following, this is being voted for online, vote for me. Wow. And I took it. God, but you I, took some big boys down there. I took, I, you know, I took some serious beers. Wow. And I actually am quite ashamed to sit in front of you. Well, mine's just, literally, mine, I stood in the garden two days ago. Yeah. While my other half trimmed my beard down. She takes me into the garden. Uh, and our house is quite overlooked. I have to take my top off, which I'm not happy about. And my beard is cut in the middle of the lawn. And, uh, and she trims it down. She's pretty good at it, to be honest. She's been doing it for 15 plus years now. She, uh, she trims it down until and, and she's happy with the length it is, and then I cry it again. And does the Met Office have to report yeah. beard cuttings floating yeah. across the beach in well, Brighton? That, yeah, they do. The outlook is for showers without yeah. breaks Luckily, of Joe Wilkinson yeah. beard tumbleweed. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, yeah. Well, I have to say, it's in fine fettle today. Um, we can have a look at the dessert menu, but for now, I'm going to say, Joe Wilkinson, thank you very much for letting me take you out to lunch. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. What a lovely time. Thank you very much. Is it better than Chatterbix first thing in the morning? Do you know what? I'm doing this every day, I think. <laughs> Good call. So what do you think about Joe and me creating a spin-off daily out to lunch. We could, I don't know, call it out for pack lunch and wander through train stations getting sausage roll crumbs down our fronts. Delicious. Uh, while you ponder that, give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. And please do share this with everybody you know and a few people you don't. Also, do comment and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to continue making more of the episodes you love. Out to Lunch is a Something Else and Jay Rayner production. The music was written, arranged and performed by me, Jay Rayner and Robert Rickenberg. The recording engineer was Gulliver Tickle and the mix engineer was Jay Beale. The producer of this episode was Bethany Hocken. The senior producer is Selena Reem and the executive producer is Ollie Wilson. Next time, I'll be attempting to prize the juiciest of stories from journalist and author Marina Hyde. We'd bring Archie Hamilton and say they found this amazing chimp in, you know, in some zoo in some whatever that can communicate. We'd love you to sit an intelligence test against this chimp. Would you be? <laughs> I, I, it was only after a while that he suddenly realised what was happening. Mm.